This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. Welcome. Welcome to our world. Welcome to our world. Oh my gosh, I was behind a car this morning that had a, like, not a license plate, but like the license plate frame, right? Yeah. And it said, like, the it, it didn't have the actual letters written out, but if you read it, it's like, it's, it said M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. Oh, I love it. But it didn't it. have like an M and I, it was like E-M, E-Y-E. So, you know, and I was like, M-I-C-K... Oh. oh, don't you love when you get the cryptic license plates? And I loved plates? that it was so wholesome. I was ready for it to be something about like balls or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, it's Mickey Mouse. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's actually clean. It's not dirty. Yay. Oh, that's so funny. I can't remember. Scott saw some, like some of the license plates or the cars that you see around here. He sent me a picture of a Jeep that had replicated like the Barbie Jeep. And it oh, was like fine. to a T, the color, it was it was crazy. It was really funny. Okay, well, hi, hello. Hello, everybody out there in listening podcast land. We have an email to start with. We talked last week about why you would work a lower paying job and salaries and what you're worth and so on and so forth. And one of our listeners, EJ, wrote us an email. Hi, EJ. It says, hi, Joy and Claire. After your recent episode on job salaries, I thought I'd write in since I work a job that would pay much more in the private sector. I'm currently an AmeriCorps member at a nonprofit that does disaster relief construction. My job is to lead volunteers through all phases of construction on the houses where we're building. An equivalent job like a project manager or site supervisor could pay between 40 and 40 to 150K, depending on years of experience. AmeriCorps members, specifically state and national, make 14K in their 10-month term of service. It is not a salary, it is a living stipend. This is because we are serving the community and most of the people we serve live by similar means. It is by no means a long-term job. Quite literally, you can only serve four terms in the state and national branch of AmeriCorps. I've been thinking about a lot of the same things y'all were talking about because I'm nearing the end of my third term. I will have earned my maximum education award by then, so it is not financially worth continuing beyond 20 months of service, for me at least. I'm now faced with the same questions I had after college. What do I want to do in life? How do I want to make an impact? What brings me joy? I also have to hope that there is a job out there that fits those questions and that I'm qualified for and that will pay me decently. I too am running into jobs that would pay better, but aren't as fulfilling for me. As a young person, I often wonder if I'm being too picky. Should I just take a job that I don't enjoy for two to four years to gain experience for a job I may actually like? My gut tells me to follow my passion and money will follow, but I also know that my passion for nonprofits is not lucrative, even though I may be worth more. It's quite a decision that I'm faced with. All I can confidently say is that service is important to me. And at the end of the day, if that means a lower salary, I'm okay with that. For now, at least. Maybe that will change, but right now, the fulfillment I get from my job outweighs the monetary gain. Also, literally any job will pay more than the AmeriCorps stipend I'm getting right now. So, yeah. Best of luck in the job hunt, Joy, EJ. I love this because I think it just brings up that there's so much more context to this decision for everyone, and it'll depend on what life stage you're in. And, you know, I think we've talked a lot in the past about not being too picky and like kind of taking any any opportunity that's like quote unquote in the zip code of what your goals are and that you know you can really get into analysis paralysis waiting right. for the perfect exact yes. right fit which is very real totally very, very, real. very real and also there is the balance between like don't yeah don't necessarily feel like you have to wait for the perfect fit but also don't sell yourself short on on like opportunities just because they aren't the perfect fit exactly pass up things just because they aren't exactly what you thought they were going to be and and yeah you know maybe there are certain parts points in your life like like I talked about last time I was an unpaid intern for the first several years of my career and that was more because of the economy at the time than because of how I wanted to live my life. But, you know, at the time it was like, yeah, I could eat like random food scraps from the backpacking closet. Right. Now, if I did that, it would be a big problem. But I think the, being a, being too picky thing 
I feel like it comes up a lot. I feel like it comes up a lot when we're searching for jobs and looking for opportunities and the ideas that we have around jobs and fulfillment. So I posted, I reposted something that Adam Grant posted yesterday and it like kicked me in the gut. And I was just like, really, I struggle with this so much. And I'd love, I, I don't know if there's an answer, but if anyone out there has to can weigh in to help me with this, it's just like, it just drives me, it drives me up the wall. It says, think twice about opportunities that offer more status, but less freedom. Winning accolades and influence is rarely worth it if you lose the ability to control your time and express your voice. Happiness hinges on maintaining freedom. Success is gaining degrees of freedom. And it's like, but can't, like truly, can you have a higher status job? Can you have both? I mean, it just, that is just something where I'm like, and I... You look at all like the white men in power (laughs) that have these jobs, but can they maintain this like level of unhappiness? It just it all of it just my mind starts getting into cobwebs. So I think it really depends on what you have come to expect, because I think that I see a lot of people who have these higher paying jobs that really aren't well first of all I don't think that that statement that he made applies to all higher paying jobs it was just sort of saying like just because something has this higher degree status like are you selling your freedom but not that like they can never be the same you know that they can never go together right and I think that's where I'm asking is is like is can you have both I think you can and I think I see that people do have both um but I think that it's not as like it's not as um uh, uh not obvious, not equal, automatic. When you think, you know, when you're moving up or you get a job that has more status or more, you know, it's the sexy job, you equate a lot of things with that automatically in your mind. And a lot of times that also, you know, when we see, when when we as Americans think about, oh, a successful lifestyle that comes with vacations and, you know, all this luxury. And that's like definitely not the case. I was listening to the, I've been listening to a lot of the Dare to Lead podcast and which I love. Brene like, Brown, Dare to Lead. Yeah, Great. Brene Brown. I love that podcast. And I'm not really like a podcast person, as you guys know. And I talk, say this every single time that I recommend a podcast. But I really like this one. And the one I was listening to was, let me look it up. So it was the episode with Doug. I'm going to mess this up. Conant. 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 C-O-N-A-N-T. <laughs> Great. And he was this very apparently well-known CEO um, he worked for Kraft. He worked for Campbell Soup. He worked for a lot of big like food companies, and he really turned them around. And anyway, the point of this is that he had this, you know, this really high paying, really successful, really high profile, you know, came to really be well known career. And one of the things at the end, you know, Brene has this thing where she talks all the guests she has on her podcast. She all asks them the same like five questions at the end of the podcast, and. Somehow it came up that he was like really grateful for having been home during the pandemic because he actually was able to sit down at the dinner table with his kids who are now in their 30s and 40s. And he was like, it made me realize how much I think I might have missed because I was never there when they were growing up because I was always working and I had this big career. And it was just one of those moments that you rarely get sort of this glimpse behind the curtain because like sometimes people will talk about that, but they'll immediately spin it around and be like, but, you know, it was worth it. And, you know, I'm really fulfilled. And they try to put the silver lining on it right away. And it was just this really great. I don't even think he meant it to be this moment of this look behind this curtain of him kind of looking back on his life and realizing like, yeah, I missed a lot. Yeah. So, you know, it's all relative. Do you believe in the follow your passion and money will follow. I want to. I struggle with that one so much. I don't really believe it because I haven't, I haven't seen it happen unless you're like the one in 10,000 Instagram influencer. You know, I think that's the thing is like the only time I've ever seen that really kind of take place is in the influencer world. And even that I think requires a price that is beyond what most people really recognize. That yeah. your whole life just becomes the this like your whole life just becomes this like quest for content. Yes. Yes. And everything that you do and every moment of your life, you're constantly thinking like, how can this be a post? How can this, you know, how can I turn this into a package and sell it? And so you'll see people who are like, oh, you know, I discovered my passion and now I make a million dollars a month on Instagram. And it's like, that's because at the end of the day, that person's passion is content creation. Yep. And that's 
that's fine and great for them. Good for them for living in an era where content creation is king. But like truly, that's the core of it. Isn't they're like, I found my passion. It's like when you get to the root of what their true quote unquote passion is, they have to be super passionate about creating content. And but when it comes to like this bigger picture, follow your passion and, you know, the money will come. I just I think follow your passion and the fulfillment will come. And I think a certain amount of money has to be a part of that because it's really hard to feel fulfilled if you can't make ends meet. But I just think it's I think it's way more nuanced than all yes. of these catchphrases. And I think yes. that's what really bothers me is because we we get into these catchphrases where it's like, it's actually not true. Sure, you, you don't want to be miserable. So you want to do something that you're not hating life every single day. But sometimes you have to do those jobs to get by. And I feel like it's a little bit gaslighting to be like, follow your passion and the money will follow because it's like, and then it makes you feel like, well, oh, then I must be like somehow choosing. It's kind of like the secret where when, when, when bad stuff happens, it's like, well, I must not have been manifesting. And it's like, you're blaming yourself for it. I I just hate that crap. So I think that's what I have a problem with. And maybe, you know, some would argue like, Joy, you're not manifesting correctly if that's how you're thinking. But I'm just like, no. And I'm, (laughs) and I'm probably like part realist too, where I, I have to land in the middle. I can't keep my feet off the ground for that long or else I go crazy. So maybe that's why I don't manifest a bazillion dollars in my brain. But um, I don't know. Those are the things that kind of come up when I think of like, follow your passion and the money will follow. Speaking of influencers, have you seen the um, episode of the New York Times? You probably haven't. It's called Who Gets to Be an Influencer. I highly recommend it if you guys have Hulu or I think you can watch it on YouTube. But just Google Who Gets to Be an Influencer and I'll also put it in the show notes. A guy put together a group of black influencers in a mansion in Atlanta to shake things up, kind of like the, the groups TikTok, of TikTok houses. Yeah, the TikTok houses in California where it's all white people. And their discussion is around how to get more black influencers onto the grid because the algorithm right now is very white and white influencers are being paid exponentially more than black influencers. But not only that, it's a vicious cycle because white influencers get more views. And it's almost like, again, the system is set up to pay white people more. So it's a really interesting episode about how they're working on creating content and putting more focus on getting black influencers more exposure. Highly recommend it. Who gets to be an influencer? So it's not when you the way that you said that at the beginning, I thought you were going to say it's like a game show, like who wants to be a millionaire? Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's just the New York Times does episodes around, you know, specific things. Like like they did the whole Britney Spears episode around her conservatorship. And so they have significant stories every I don't know if it's like every month they put out on Hulu. And it's also on you can YouTube it highly recommend watching that, Um, which then also makes me very conscious of how I consume content. And am I seeing only white people on my feed? Mm -hmm. And how can we diversify our feeds? Always think I think about that pretty much all the time because I'm always on Instagram. Yeah. And one of yeah, I was gonna launch into like a whole Instagram thing. But I'm just (laughs) let's not give Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> Talk about the episode you were mentioning with Abby Wambach and Oh, yeah. Okay. Brene. So also last week, we talked about how, you know, you don't have to settle for like just be grateful and how, you know, so many of us were raised to have this knee-jerk reaction to not ask for more because we were taught, oh, you know, just be grateful. Be or grateful don't don't be ungrateful. Have. You know, don't ask for more. Don't be ungrateful. And I was listening to the Dare to Lead podcast episode with Brene Brown and Abby Wambach. Look at you, Brene. I know, two Brene Brown episodes in one week. It's like amazing. It's because I um, have been working out earlier in the morning and it's too early to call my mom. Uh, <laughs> Carol's right. not up. Yeah, or she's like, you know, actually doing things. And so I can't just call her and like talk. So I mean, she's probably gonna listen to this and be like, you can call me. It's not that early. It's like seven in the morning. But so I was listening to um, she and Abby, Brene and Abby go through Abby Wambach's book called Wolfpack. And it's all about like her leadership style and kind of what she learned about leadership from her career as a super successful professional soccer player. And it turns out she has a whole chapter specifically about this trap of just be grateful and for her she talks about how she had this like light bulb moment as she was leaving the SB awards right SB SB right? mm-hmm 
And she was there with like LeBron James and yep. like, you know, LeBron um, and like another yeah, big, these other high paid you know, athlete, right, who had male. made tens of millions of dollars. And their biggest concern was like, what am I going to do to invest my millions and millions of dollars? And her biggest concern was like, how am I going to pay my mortgage next month? Like, right. She didn't. She's like, the, the gap was so huge. Right. The gap and was so, so huge. She talks about this moment a lot that like she went back to her hotel that night and realized like my world is so different, even though her like physical contribution to the sport you know, she's the high, the most has scored the most goals of any soccer player ever in history. And yet here she is, you know, without a retirement plan, practically. Mm-hmm. And so she talks about how she had this realization that her whole career, she had sort of had this subconscious feeling that she didn't really deserve to be in any of the places that she was, but that she had been like, invited there and she should be so grateful that someone had like asked her to come right you're just you're just you should be grateful that you're at the table yeah you're you should just be grateful that you're here and she was like and not that I'm not grateful for that but she's like but I freaking earned that every single spot I worked for it you know I am great at what I do and that's why I was there I wasn't there because someone else was like showing and I'm paraphrasing her words but like right you know she's pretty much is like I had this realization that I had this my whole career felt like I was only there because someone else had graciously given this opportunity to me, not that I had earned the opportunity through my own hard work and skill. And I think that really, I mean, it completely goes along with what we were saying last week. And as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, I didn't come up with this idea. Abby Wambach had it first. (laughs) And I'm sure, you know, a million other people have had it. But it was just so... I always love hearing really outwardly successful people talk about these kinds of things. And I think it's getting more and more common. But I feel like I always tell this story that on my first day of grad school, I did a graduate program through a law school. And so my orientation was the same orientation as the law school orientation. Mm -hmm. So all of the speakers that they had on that first day were all these like successful Colorado lawyers. And I mean, like, the first female judge on the Colorado Supreme Court, like people who were really successful and the type of people who you would look at and think this person must have known they wanted to do this since they were a kid. Right. And the one thing that all of those speakers had in common was like, if you had told me on my first day of law school that this is where I would be, I wouldn't have believed you. You know, that every single one of them, their story takes them into a place of like, and then something happened that I never would have expected. And I always just really appreciate hearing that sort of behind the scenes of people who look successful. So to hear that Abby Wambach, of all people, still had this feeling that like she didn't really deserve to be there, except that someone else, you know, someone had like graciously offered her a spot there, not that she was the best of all time. And that's why she was there. It's like really relatable. And it's also just infuriating that this is so ingrained that even the best of the best of the best of the best of the best second guess their right to have a place in that system. That one enrages me too, because it is almost a system that is set up where this is kind of the how it's always been mentality. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, reminds me of uh, Megan Rapinoe fighting for, I mean, Ambi Wambach as well, but fighting for equal pay in soccer. Right. And that how big of a battle that is. <laughs> and it's, and it's like, like, this should be a no brainer. Like, this should be a no brainer. But how interesting that the system is set up to where it I hate to keep using this term, but it's almost gaslighting her again, where they're, they're met with resistance for asking for more pay, even though when you're comparing apples to apples, they are winning way more successful, way more successful, winning more, more goals. Every statistic is higher than the men's. Mm-hmm. However, yeah, they are the ones met with resistance. It's not happening, blah, blah, blah. And that would make me feel if I was in that scenario of like, well, I guess, why are we asking? Or should we be asking? Should we just be grateful because we're women type of thing where it's exactly. like back to the old mentality was like, well, women just don't make as much. And it's just ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And there's that like, you know, tweet that's funny, but not funny. It's like funny, but painful where it's like, well, if women, women should just stop choosing lower paying careers, like woman doctor and woman lawyer. Ha 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 ha. ha. You know, <laughs> I, I think about this a lot where comics often like Eliza Schlesinger, which by the way, her new movie is great. Go watch it. Good on paper. On Netflix, uh, I've watched it twice already. It's it's a new comfort movie. One of those movies you could wow. just watch over and over again. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, she talks about that a lot, being a comic, but being referred to as a female comic, where right. she's like, you know, grow, growing up in the comedy clubs, you're often referred to as the female comic, or how does it be, feel to be a female comic in a sea of men? And she's like, uh, just, you know, those 
those questions drive her crazy. But this is nothing new. I think what we are realizing is just how maddening it is that we have to be met with this, like, well, should we just be grateful and sit down? Because, you know, we've come a long way. We can vote now or whatever. (laughs) Right. And those are the things that it's like, well, you know, when people want to say, well, you have all these things. Why do you want more? It's like, well, everyone should have we were everyone's going to want more until everyone has the same stuff mm-hmm. or an equitable amount of stuff. You right. know, we don't want necessarily the same exact, but we want it to be equitable. And, you know, and here we are sitting as white women talking about this. You know, we don't know the half of it. Right. I was going to just say that. Yeah. Yeah. And For people of color, it's beyond yeah, and eons of this conversation. And it's hard to want to bring awareness to that while not hard, but, you know, we while we want to bring awareness to that and while also acknowledging and we don't know the half of it, it's just really highlights still like there's really so few groups and that group by and large are white cisgendered able-bodied men who have the default amount of I mean privileges is the word I'm looking for but I feel like that word is so overused you know they get sort of like the default amount of things handed to them without having to feel like they the should default amount of of 5,000 steps 5 million steps 500 billion steps ahead of everybody from day one and you know, not not ever being made to feel like, oh, you should just be great. Like, oh, you can't also have, you know, you already right. have, you already get the door open for you. Why do you want to ask for equal pay? You know, you can't have both. Well, you mm-hmm. can't have maternity leave. Well, you can't have maternity leave. It was your choice to get pregnant. You know, all that type of conversation. I mean, we could just go down the rabbit hole for 100 years. But for us, even in our positions, you know, our serious positions of privilege to even be, you know, say like, and we still feel this way about certain things to just realize that it's actually a very small minority of people who don't feel this way and yet they're somehow the ones that call all the big shots is just, you know, it sucks. Yeah, and this, we could go down a lot of rabbit holes for this discussion and if we, I mean, I could make a whole podcast about this and here's the thing, I I recently listened to one of the daily episodes and if you want to have rage and just get angry, and uh, I think it's important to get fired up about these things because it reminds us that there's a lot of work to do, but it's called the debate over critical race theory. Uh, the fact that so much of this is up for debate mm-hmm. just made me want to punch a wall. So highly recommend listening to that too. Of Also, I don't think anyone listening to this podge- podcast questions that this is still a huge issue that people have to debate that there's no debate over it. So I think that, you know, we know that people are out there that have a debate about it. But if you lack an understanding about race in this country, just please listen to that Mm -hmm. episode. I can't imagine any of this, any of the listeners. You never know. But (laughs) you never know. And if you do understand it, still listen, because I think it's important that we... We don't take for granted that we understand every aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, and I want to understand other sides, but I'm like, I don't understand that other side. I just don't. Yeah. Okay, so the other exciting news from this week, kind of very much relating to all of this, is that you have taken a little step in your journey towards a new job or just getting some more things back on the table, and that is that you signed up to be a therapist on BetterHelp. Yes. So how's that going? I sure did. And... This was a very, I don't want to say last minute decision. It's been on my mind for quite some time. I think with all new things, you're just hesitant to try it and you don't know what to expect. And you're like, is this going to be a good platform and yada, yada, yada. So I think it was just more like, I really want to stuck. I really wanted to stick to my word of what I talked about last week around just starting to start something. <laughs> all, well, also realizing I don't want to burn myself out and work really hard while I'm also wanting to use this time to kind of like sit and reflect and look for another job. And so I signed up and I started taking, I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to set a platform. The nice thing about this platform is as therapist, you can really control the amount of patients that come to you, clients that come to you. Mm-hmm. And so I signed up and I started getting clients right away. I'm already at a point where I'm not accepting new clients because I have like a max amount that I want right now. But you can always like turn on or off your availability. But um, I just want to really reiterate how much this platform, how easy it is to use for therapists, but it's also really easy to use for clients. So they vet their therapists very well, meaning I had to go through a background check. They verify your license. They do like a video interview with you. 
They oh, check wow. your driver. Yeah, they check your driver's license. Like they make you hold your driver's license up. So you're like everything is very we because it's and a it's liability like done for by them. A person, it's not just through like you. Yeah, no, you can't. You schedule it. no. You schedule an actual video meeting with someone, and you talk to them, and they make sure that your background is professional, and they make sure you know. There's a lot of quality control that they do. You're rated on the how quick you are to respond to people. So if you take too long oh. to respond, they'll drop your score. And then also people, patients and clients, I use that interchangeably just because of my old job, I always said patients, can rate you. So you can get a score of how, I. those are really difficult because sometimes in therapy- People don't like you for People don't like you reasons. for, yeah. well, it's sometimes it's like when you have to deal with difficult things, sometimes they don't want to deal with some difficult things. Anyway, it's sometimes uh, reviews of therapists I, I kind of take with a grain of salt. I mean, I take all reviews from strangers <laughs> with a grain of salt. Like, I can be on Amazon. True. And it's like, this table arrived in pieces. And I'm like, eh, that's a one-off. I mean, yeah. I mean, sometimes it'll be like the whole bottle exploded. And I'm like, well, you live in a place that's like 6,000 right. feet or whatever. Right. So I'm going to be like, yeah, this, my favorite. Anyway, we can go down the whole rabbit hole. I know. Of internet reviews. But all that to say that I don't think I've ever read a review of anything. I've been like, that is objectively what happened. <laughs> It's very smart. It's very smart. And I know business owners probably hate reviews and Yelp and the the mention of the online reviews because there's always that one person that comes on and is like, well, the envelope was kind of ripped or whatever. Anyway, so you can review your therapist and you're rated by the platform. So I have like a personal rating. They track that. They also kick you off the platform if you don't respond to a patient. So if you don't respond, respond like at all, yeah, if you don't respond within 24 hours, they'll send you a warning. But if you don't, I mean, I had, this hasn't happened to me, but because I respond really quickly. But if you don't respond to a patient, they will just kick you off the platform. Like they won't send you any, they won't send you any new clients. So they have a really good way of managing it to where the therapist is accountable. And if you're not doing your job, um, but at the same time, it's nice because they just send you clients. No one's like, emailing you every day. It's very like hands off, kind of very contained. Like it's a private practice where I just see the patients, do my notes, call it a day. So I really enjoy that piece. Like the first day that I was seeing clients, I was like, oh my gosh, it's kind of nice to just have like, is this what it's like to work for yourself type of thing? There's no one bothering me. (laughs) There's like no one that, no boss breathing down your neck. Like just that feeling where I'm like, oh, is this how how it is to like work for yourself. But the patients are awesome. There's people that I'm just like, so, so amazing. Uh, I really like the clientele. So the thing, the limitations that I see for telehealth is obviously it just does not replace in-person therapy. So, okay. Talk about that for a second, because I feel we get a lot of questions from people who are like, you know, I looked for a therapist. I didn't find one that I liked, or I had a bad experience, or I can't, there's not one in my area or whatever the thing may be. And you kind of always say like, yeah, teletherapy is really helpful, but it's not a replacement. But and then when you see these services marketed, they very much market themselves as like your primary therapist, like this person, this better help connection is your primary therapist. So what do you mean by that? Right? Well, and they can be for certain things. And I think how they refer patients they do a good job of weeding out diagnoses that, and actually you don't get a diagnosis on this platform, but they do a good job of referring patients who have concerns like depression or anxiety, things that are, that you can manage on a telehealth platform. I would say if you have a very active and clinically severe eating disorder or substance use problem, then teletherapy is going to have limitations. It's not that you can't get help on those platforms, but it's going to be limiting in the sense that in-person therapy, you can see body language, you can see someone's appearance a lot better, which we take into account when we're doing therapy. Better help, you can, the patient can choose to do video, telephone, or a live chat. So if someone really only wants to interact with me on a live chat, I can't see how they're physically doing. And there'll be times when a client will come into my office and they look great, but then the next week they're disheveled. And that says a lot about what's going on with them. And so from the clinician standpoint, that is something that's limiting on my end, but it's really up to the clinician, the therapist to say, hey, patient, 
I think you would do better in an environment like A, B, or C. So I don't think it's really up to the patient or client to understand. I don't think that you need to worry about that if you're like, well, what if it doesn't help me? Because I think a good therapist will know their limitations when you need to have what we call a higher level of care. But I just think for something that might last a year and a half in therapy, (laughs) if the treatment plan is really long, I think a combination of video and in-person would probably be better for something that if you're working like an EMDR, EMDR can be done online. It just isn't the same. But also that is my insecurity because I'm so used to doing therapy in person. So it's also something that's like, I'm not going to do as good of a job because I don't have that experience of doing that type of therapy on a telehealth platform. So that's kind of what I mean around that is it has its limitations. It's better than nothing. I'm not saying it's bad by any stretch of the imagination. Like I've already been doing it's only the second day. And I feel like I've been doing really good work with the people that are coming to me. And they're also not coming to me with such severe levels of like depression that right i feel like whoa this is this is not the place for you you know so i feel like better help is doing a good job of perhaps they have clinicians on like the intake side where they're going to outreach those patients i don't know how they do it to be frank like when someone signs up how they start assigning people but that's what i mean around that now as far as like how you can find a therapist that you like was that one of your questions that you asked Well, I think, yeah, part of one of the questions that we get a lot is, and we talk about this a lot, is how to find a therapist or how to get started. But we get a follow-up question from people a lot that's like, okay, that's fine, but what am I looking for? You know, it's Mm -hmm. one thing of like the technicalities of, oh, go to your health insurance website and here's where you find them and go to their website and see if that's a good fit. But then once you actually get into the office, how do you tell if it's a good fit in just one or two sessions before you've spent several, several hundred dollars only to get four or five sessions in and be like, this isn't really doing it for me. Right. The... (laughs) The best way I can describe it is like if you're if you're with somebody and you feel like they get you, you feel comfortable talking to them. And it's not like you have to spill your life story in the first session because that's not always comfortable. It takes some time to build a rapport. But it's not to say like in the first session or second session where you're like, well, how do I know if I'm building a rapport? I mean, truly, do you do you like the therapist's office? Does it feel warm and inviting? Is there crap everywhere? For teletherapy, you know, you can kind of see their environment. Are they dressed appropriately? I mean, do they have, are they late? Are they showing up late without telling you? Like, you know, on the platform, uh, I can message people quickly and say, I'll be signing on in two minutes or whatever. But that is something that you know, like with anything of quality, you should be looking at quality, you should be looking at the environment, you should be looking at their communication style, are they sending you emails or phone calls to confirm the appointment, like something just like common courtesy of things that you would expect from a service because you're paying for a service. So it's not like they're just like rolling out the red carpet, but it's a service you're paying for, they should be professional, they should be having a professional office. Now as far as comfort level, like the first session, oftentimes, we're doing an intake. So that's sometimes can be dry and very basic questions that are not super directed at therapy, per se. So the first session can sometimes feel like you didn't get a lot of therapy in that session, just because they're really trying to get a background about you. But if they jump to any conclusions or they make any comments that make you feel uncomfortable, I mean, that's, those are red flags. For the most part, a therapist should be warm and inviting and explain everything to you and say, this is how I operate. We typically schedule sessions this many times a month or every other week or whatever the case may be. Explain what therapy looks like, give you their disclosure, which is their credentials. But I... I know it's vague in the sense that people are like, well, what if I don't know how it feels? Well, maybe stick with it if you don't, if you feel okay. But if you have any red flags, trust that, trust your gut. If you feel any red flags of a therapist saying something that didn't sit well with you, or if they were just ignoring you and dismissive, that happens at times where you bring something up up and they'll dismiss it. Does that help? Yeah, I think so. I think it's hard because there's not one answer that's like, oh, well, you'll yeah, know a really therapist when XYZ. Because like some people, the late thing is going to make them crazy. Other people are like, cool, I'm going to be 10 minutes late just as often as you're going to be 10 minutes late. Like, right. Write it out. You know? uh, yeah. And there, I think that there, it is hard because 
it's something that for most of us, it's already taken us a long time to get to the point where we're even ready to look for a therapist. Like it's, it can take years to get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm ready go to, to do a therapist. it. And then to realize that it could take you another several months or longer to find the right therapist is like, no, I want to go in. I'm ready for my problems to be fixed today. I've already waited until the last minute to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to shop for a therapist. Right. And most of the time with therapy, you want to strike while the iron's hot because you often will put that on the back burner when you're like, well, I just, you lose motivation to do therapy because therapy is like something where you have to have the motivation and be in the headspace to do it, which is another reason why I think BetterHelp is really good for that, where they match you really quickly. So if you sign up, you get matched within 24 hours, 48 hours. And so it's a great opportunity to get started quickly. But yeah, if you are in a situation where you want to see someone in person and you are paying out of pocket and you're trying to find someone that you're like, well, I'm waiting all this time and perhaps they don't have anything available for like the next month. That's another good point. If they don't, if you, I would ask upfront, what is your availability looking like these days? If they say, well, I'm seeing people once a month, then see you later. Unless you truly just don't, if you have like an idea where I really only want to see a therapist once a month, great. But most people want to see their therapist at least two to three Especially times a month. Especially at the beginning. Especially at the beginning. So if that's okay with you, fine. But perhaps ask if they're available because, you know, if you, if you get through the intake and they're like, okay, I'll see you in about five weeks. And you're like, what? You know, it kind of feels right, like you're, you're left high and dry. Yeah. And most people, I always say this to clients when they're starting therapy is like, I understand during the first session, a lot of people are coming to therapy because they want relief. And so I will ask the question in therapy very often, almost every first session, what can I help you with today that we can do within this time frame that will give you some relief? And we talk a little bit about that because it's like, I'm not going to fix all your problems in a half hour or 30 minutes or you know an hour. But what I know you came here today because you want some relief or at least to start talking about some of these issues. What is something today that we can talk about so I can make sure that I'm giving you some tools or some relief so you can leave the session feeling just a little bit better? Because everyone wants to feel better. You go to a therapist because you're like, I just want, I just want to start feeling better. So that's really important to me too. It's not solving the whole thing in, in a short amount of time, but it's at least starting. So I don't know if that's helpful. I feel like it is very much an individual choice and cha- it can change for each for uh, every person. But if you have questions, you can always send those to me because I'm happy to help. And I feel like what I'm hearing is that if you're someone who maybe doesn't have a diagnosis or does have a diagnosis, but it's pretty well under control and you're just kind of looking for some talk therapy to regulate you throughout the month, then an app might be a good fit for your primary therapy. And if you need something more than that, then you might kind of have to shop around, even though we didn't, we wish that wasn't the case. Yeah. And and here's the other thing too, because I don't want to turn people away from teletherapy. I guess what I'm saying is some, for some instances, and if you want to just get help now, try it out and give it a shot. It's better than nothing. So don't let that scare you away. I think what I'm saying is like, there may be a limit to what you can do in teletherapy. And then you, you, you can search for someone that's in person in your area. But don't let that discourage you from if you're like, well, what if my problems are too big? Because I don't want you to do that to yourself either. It's like, okay, we can start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, And teletherapy is great. So how are you feeling not just about like what BetterHelp is as a service, but like how are you feeling about your life? I am feeling better than last week. Last week I was having like some major pity parties. I think it was mostly like, I think I mentioned this, that every application I was putting in would just be met with a rejection letter. Yeah. (laughs) I was like... It's just exhausting. And I know that's a part of the game, but it's just exhausting to be like, okay, you know, how much trying to make connections. And I'm always trying to search my brain for who do I know at this place that can put in a good word for me because it's all about who you know. And so I'm trying to really do that. But, you know, also giving hope that maybe there's one place that doesn't have someone truly and is looking at resumes. But yeah, it's just, I think what scared me was it's been a month, you know, so working. yeah. Yeah, you start to get scared about time, which... I know better and I'm working through it and I'll be fine. But I, it hit me that it's been a full month that I've been really looking for jobs and applying to jobs every single day. That scared me a little bit where I'm like, what if I don't find something? So I think where I tend to go then is I'm like, where can I control the scenario? Because I don't want to be floundering and I also don't want to fall into pity parties. 
I know it's fine to do that. And I'm not saying I'm above it at all because I do it, but it's just not productive to stay there. So my MO is always to be like, all right, I'm going to have this pity party. I'm going to have some bad days. But what can I do? And that's when I was like, I, you know what? I had a friend who actually told me because I was really worried about having a gap in my resume. It's just never happened to me before. So I'm like, oh, what if I, you know, what if like they're not going to look at me because I, this job clearly ended in June. And uh, my friend's like, just sign up for better help and like be a therapist on the platform. Like t- you can only, you can take a few people if you want. And that way you like have a job. So her voice was ringing in my head and that's why I signed up and I gave it a shot. And I'm like, actually, this feels really good to have control over something. It's a pace that I can set and I can still have time to job search. I can still make time to have some chill out time. So I'm not stressed out. I'm not packing my schedule all day. So I'm feeling a lot better. There's always like that voice in your head that gets worried and that's totally normal. But I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to like take it day by day. Okay. I need to rant about career gap, about gaps in your resume. Please do. Because I, I would like to hear about it. I would like to just abolish that as a whole because the idea of a... Another way that women are put down. It's sexist. It's super ableist. Unbelievably ableist. It is just insane to think that anyone should be less employable because they have been doing something else other than just committing themselves to a daily job for any period of time. I understand that, you know, if you have some sort of technical job and you haven't done it in five years, it's going to be tough for you to just get back on the job on day one and jump into it. Fine. Maybe, you know, you might think about doing some supplemental training right beforehand, but that should be enough. You should be able to go in there and be like, yeah, I haven't done this. I haven't, you know, I've been at home with my kids for five years and I just re-upped my license to prove to you, you know, but but like I've been keeping up my continuing education or whatever the case may be. Right. But I don't care what the job is. There is three to six to up to 12 months of on the job training that's required for any given job before you really can get your grounding. And it makes me crazy that we are all so worried about not having a career gap and that recruiters will be like, well, you know, my, that might not look good. Like, I don't give an F if it looks good. This is my life. I'm right. Ta- you know, I'm taking care of my kids. I'm taking care of my loved ones. I'm doing something other than just going to work every single freaking day. It makes me crazy. It's incredible. It's like just the quickest way to make sure that your job applicant pool is homogenous. Yes. I hate it. I hate it too. I hate that I worry about it because I know that's what people do is they look at that and they're like, why is there a career gap? What were they doing for that year or or six months that you were caring for your children? Yeah, it's maddening. I feel like, you know, there like if if you're a recruiter in that situation, like yeah, maybe ask a quick question like, "Hey, I noticed you've been out of work for 2 years, you know, was that a personal decision? And they can be like, yeah, I was home with my family. Okay, great. Maybe you need to know if they've been in prison or something, but maybe not. Let's not just penalize people for right. the, you know, who've been adjudicated for the rest of their lives by not giving them jobs. It's just like, how does this relate to you not being employable if you've been out of work for a couple months. It just seems so ridiculous to me. And like there are ways to tell if someone is technically proficient at a job before you hire them that have nothing to do. Like I have worked with plenty of people who do not have a quote unquote career gap who are crappy at their jobs. Yep. Yeah. It's it's it doesn't give you any information about that person other than that they happen to have something in their life that had to take priority over being employed. I'm so convinced that pretty much any I mean aside from surgeons and like nurses and people who have to do like very <laughs> generally speaking like mid-level jobs that don't require brain surgery degrees and you guys know what I'm talking about. I, I'm pretty sure anyone can do a job. It it just requires how you learn. And if you can apply the skills that you learn, very many jobs you shouldn't look at. And Adam Grant had a post about this too, of like, you shouldn't l- always look at experience because that doesn't always tell you if they're going to be able to do your- the job. And I always remember that from one of my supervisors way long ago, where she's like, hire the person, train the skills, because you want a good person. Yes, honestly, you don't want someone who's going to like cause problems and be a you know, a bully or badmouth the company or whatever. But if they can, if they're trainable and they're and they a go-getter, they can do the job. I'm like, I'm just so convinced that that's more important than actual experience. I <laughs> For most jobs, you yes, guys know what I'm talking about. I, a thousand percent. And you're right. Again, like there are certain jobs where you have to have that technical training. But even then, 
you know, you're going to be so much more successful with somebody who has a really teachable attitude than someone yep. who has the quote unquote skills, but isn't willing to learn. Jabs. Jabs, jabs, So jabs. many things to be angry about, but it's totally, <laughs> you know what, it's, it's, it's fine. warranted. It's fine. And it's warranted. Can we end on a really quick light note of running through the lists of the um, Love It, Leave It with fitness? Yes. I really like that. So you posted on stories a round of Love It or Leave It with fitness this time. So running road races. You're asking me if I like running road yeah. races? I know. I know the answer. But <laughs> <laughs> no, not for me. I'd say Love It. Uh, trail running? I would pick like an in-between. I would, okay. I like it. I like you it. You like it. I like it. Okay. I dabble. I would say I like it. I don't do it a lot, but when I do go, I like it's it. It's fine. It's fine. Yoga. No, not into it. I love it. I don't do it. I just have never same? done, maybe in my life have I done more like a small handful and I've tried yoga so much, you guys. I've been trying to, to want to do yoga since I was in high school and I just don't get anything out of it. Yeah. There's I just gonna be never a lot of leave yogis it. Like, coming oh, after I'm you so now. Relaxing and restorative. I'm like, I'm sweaty. Why am I so sweaty? <laughs> okay, CrossFit, obviously. Love Obvi. It. Love it. Soccer. Not my jam. Have I told no balls flying in my face. Uh, how I had to leave my soccer team as a young child? No. Yeah. What? I was. I just didn't. I didn't like it, and I would just make dandelion crowns. <laughs> I would like. I would like be. They put me on defense, and I would just like sit down. I oh my it. gosh! I'm not into it. That's this so funny. Okay, so this weekend, let me tell you a story about running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the fourth of July, I did a CrossFit workout as a partner workout, and it this was like my biggest insecurity exposed that I had to run with a partner. I hate running. As you all know, I've talked about it as recently as the last 90 seconds. I'm really bad at it. Like, what's how can someone be bad at running? It's just like fast walking. I don't know. I don't I can't do it without immediately just wanting to fall over. Like I'm I immediately start breathing heavy. I immediately get tired. I have been trying to get good at running for most of my life and it just it has never worked. So whatever. It is what it is. I'm really bad mm-hmm. at it and I'm very slow. And when I say very slow, I'm talking like 15 minute mile slow, okay? Practically would be faster walking, but for some reason I do the little run thing with my arms. Sure, just the shuffle. Yeah. And I'm shuffling. That is absolutely what I'm doing. And so as a partner workout, this is my biggest insecurity because the only thing that I don't, that I hate more than running is the feeling that people are waiting for me. Okay. I hate it. I hate it when I'm hiking. I hate like any time where I feel like people are like, come on, Claire, let's go. And like people across it are not like that. They're fine. They're cheering on. But like in my head, they're thinking like, God, this girl's so slow. I hate that feeling. And so I showed up at the gym and I was like, it'll be fine because the workout also had double unders and overhead squats in it. And I was like, I'm great at double unders. I'm pretty good at overhead squats. The third thing was pull-ups. Like, I can do it a band. That's fine. You know, it's just a mile. Like, I can run a mile. I get to the gym. It's two rounds of joy. <gasps> oh, no. Two. Oh, no. Two miles. It was two miles. No, and my poor not one, partner, but two. My poor partner was so wonderful, but she's a runner. Like, literally a runner. And she was like, we were the last two she's left. Like and she's like, seven, looking at me. Seven-minute miles. She's Truly. like. Truly. And I was like, I'm such a slow runner. And she was like, don't worry about it. I'm rehabbing, like, a hamstring injury. I haven't ran in a couple weeks. And I was like, you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> point where she literally just ran ahead and waited for me because it was harder for her to go as slow as I was going. Oh, which is the worst because you get no break. Like she runs and then waits for you right. and gets a break. And, and I was you're like, like, please, I- but at the same time, I was like, please run ahead. So I don't have to feel like you're just staring at me, like willing me to go faster. But you know, you're at the point where like going that slow is actually harder. Yeah. I don't experience that because I love it. I love going as slow as humanly possible. Like at some point yeah. she was just walking and I was like, why am I even doing the run thing with my, like, I'm just shuffling. So- but anyway, as we were running, I was like, you know, one word at a time gasping through trying to have a conversation like how long have you been doing CrossFit (laughs) I can't stand when people talk to me when I'm either running and I can't breathe or like we're doing the Manitou incline in a few weeks and I can't talk when I do that so please don't talk to me no and for you it's also less of like a needing to breathe thing and more of like a one thing to focus on at a time thing yes exactly but for me it's like an oxygen decision and yeah she was (laughs) like I've been doing CrossFit for like five years and I we were talking about how bad wall balls are and she was like yeah for me that is too much like a projectile sport and I was like oh I'm gonna use that phrase (laughs) And then I tried to make, then I tried to say, yeah, my, you know, plastic surgeon said I can't do any activities or balls flap my nose, but I couldn't breathe. So that didn't land. I was like, yeah. Oh, you couldn't make the joke. That's so unfortunate. Said I can't. (laughs) 
And I was like, I got to just drop it. And she's looking at me like, you're a plastic surgeon. And I'm like, oh. it's from Clueless. It's from Clueless. <laughs> Haven't you seen it? Can't you read my mind? Come on. You can't hear me through my labored breathing. <laughs> Anyway, okay, move on. Go on. Uh, what, what are we okay, there? so the next one is Orange Theory. I've never tried Orange Theory. I really like it. I really like it. Scott loves it. Kickboxing. Uh, I've never tried it. If I had the choice to go do it, I would go do it. Meaning like if I there was like a kickboxing gym. Yeah, I would gym, try it. Like, I would. Yeah, I might go do it. Yeah. I just haven't It's fun. Tried. You know what I really want to try? Jiu-jitsu. Hmm. Oh. I think I would go. be good at it. I think you would too. I think you'd be really good at it. Powerlifting. Love it. Love it. Strongman. I haven't tried it. I mean, I've tried. I've done like a few strongman things. Like, you know, I've done, I've like tried Atlas Stone sometimes. I've tried, and it's like generally, I have a good time with it, but I'm not very yeah. strong. <laughs> I would like to try it. I haven't done it. Uh, road biking. That, did I tell you that when we were oh. watching the CrossFit Games uh, semifinals the other weekend, Miles was like watching the women and he's like, their muscles are so much bigger than yours. I was like, yeah, I know. He goes, why? You work out so much. I was like, thank you, Miles. I ask myself that question all the time. He's like, are you that strong? It's like, no, not even close. Really? You work out all the time. I was like, yes, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> You're like, I know. What's your question? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, and? Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> oh, you work out all the time. Why don't you Why are you that strong? Muscles? You work out all the time. I was like, yeah, I know. I don't know why I'm not that strong. I'm very, very curious. <laughs> okay. Uh, road biking. I love it. Yeah. I haven't done it in a long time because I sold my road bike, but yes. Mountain biking. Absolutely not. I've never I'm tried it. Terrified. I really want to. Almost everyone I know who mountain bikes has torn their shoulder to, to pieces. I'm like, no, oh thank you. Oh my gosh. I have no thank people you. who've nope. gotten some very serious mountain biking injuries. I agree. That's nope. one of those things that's like, nope. I don't think I want, would want to do downhill mountain biking, which is like what you're referring nope. to, where you're just speeding downhill yep. through the woods. But I think I would enjoy like a cross country mountain bike experience. Sure. Where, I can like, do that. But anything flat, downhill, like go over some rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Little tiny pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> all right i think i think that's all we have uh let's talk about our sponsors uh double under wonder still get your jump ropes discount code is joy double under wonder.com and then eat to evolve delicious meals delivered right to your door really really good food really good. the packaging is don't spill don't spill my food when you're sending it to me and they do not spill your food when they send it to you eat to evolve Com. The discount code is JoyClaire15. Those are two easy ways that you can support the podcast. And as always, you can share with your friends, tag us on Instagram. That also helps like our posts, engage with us on social media, or leave a review on Apple by giving us five stars and nice words. That's all we have. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week, you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.